Welcome to the Fusebox Podcast. This is episode 13. I am Betelahim Makonnen. And I'm Anna Gallagher-Ross. Today on the podcast, we're doing something different. I'm joined by Andrea Mellard, Director of Public Programs and Community Engagement at the Contemporary Austin, who we're partnering with to present Fusebox 2018 artist Ragnar Kjartansson. In this interview, Ragnar talks to us about his epic project, The SS Hangover, a kinetic sound sculpture installed in the Laguna Gloria. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Do you want it for the record? One, two, one, two, yeah. <laughs> so my name is uh, Ragnar Kertansson, and uh, I'm a visual artist uh, living in uh, Reykjavik City, Iceland. Um, all right, so my first question is how it all got started with the SS Hangover. Um, I understand you came across an image um, so could you maybe talk about where this idea came from and how you, um, you know, developed this truly fantastical project? So, yeah, the project uh, came about, uh, like, because, like, uh, before the, uh, the Venice Biennale in 2013, our Massimiliano Gianni called me up and asked me, like, to do a project, you know, kind of, whatever project. And, uh, and I was just thinking, you know, about that. And, uh, and we, have, we were talking a little bit about, like, yeah, it would be maybe fun to use the water some, and, you know, blah, 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 you know. And, uh, and then I was actually at my mother-in-law's home, uh, just, you know, looking at the cocktail recipe book called Hollywood Cocktails. And, uh, and then there was like, you know, it's like all these different cocktails. And then there was actually uh, a part of the book which was kind of, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, I think it was like, it was kind of the day, it was called the, the day after the night before. That was the section called. <laughs> and uh, then there it suddenly was, this image of the SS Hangover coming crushing into a party. Like an, uh, a still image from this 1935 film. Do you remember last night? And, and it was really like, sometimes he was like, yeah, it was like, that's the piece for Venice. Like, yeah, that's the piece. And, uh, and this is somehow, it was just like really ready in my head. Like, yeah, we have to build this boat and somehow use it. And then there came this idea of... Uh, creating, uh, making it musical and uh, somehow just using this movement in music with the boat so that the boat is sort of a, a kinetic sculpture so that there's this brass band on the boat and it just constantly uh, sails around and the, uh, and the acoustics of the sound change with it and uh, and also, but, but like seeing that image, I just loved the uh, 
the the name of the boat on from that image, SS Hangover, and it sort of it really resonated a lot. I think it was like kind of resonated uh, like kind of poetically, po poetically, and also politically because there was like remember after the crash there was like all this kind of political hope for you know positive change and you really like remember those times you really felt like actually maybe the change is not gonna be positive and uh it was sort of a hangover after 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 exciting times you know it was sort of it was sort of post occupy wall street feeling it's like the, it's like idealistic hangover too and uh and so the, then the the piece was born and like i uh, i asked my uh good friend, uh, the very talented uh, composer Kertan Svensson, to write a sort of tune for, for brass players because it had to be brass players. So they're on the water and you, and you just feel them like coming, coming towards you and, and uh, sailing from you. And there's always this sort of brass lamental funeral music playing on the, on the hangover. But the, brass, but the players are all kind of very uh, dressed very dapper and it's all very swanky and feels like a feels like a good party but uh but very sort of somber and uh and th and then it came about like i was i was actually like you know then you know i was thinking like, how in the hell can i can i do this piece how can i build this boat and then i just met this guy who had a boat in a shack, you know, it's kind of just here by my studio in Reykjavik. It was an old fishing boat, actually kind of from, yeah, one year older than the film, Do You Remember Last Night? So it was a boat from 1934. And, uh, and it was like the perfect size, but it had to be rebuilt. And I was talking to uh, my wife, Inky Burke, like, shit, I have to rebuild it. Uh, how can I do that? And then she was like, actually my mysterious father who I had very seldomly met at that time. He has a shipyard. So, <laughs> so it, was, it was moved to the village where Ingeberg's mysterious father lives and uh, to his shipyard and it was all, all uh, rebuilt for the purpose of you know, st you know, being rebuilt so that it could actually float because it was an old, old uh, out-of-use boat and also to like, turn it into the as a hangover and uh, and uh, yeah and then I will, me and uh, Lilia uh, my studio manager and Inky Björk and our friend Anarun we were just there painting the boat so it's like so we we it was built and then all painted and with and painted the sail with that fat Pegasus which is a very important uh, uh, what's it called icon on it because that was also in the image from the film, do you remember last night that that boat with that fat Pegasus? That's somehow so striking because I I really look at the fat Pegasus as a as a symbol for us all. All, all it's a kind of a symbol for mediocre artists. It's sort of we are like these fat Pegasus. We're trying to really trying to fly, but it's only maybe Mozart and you know a few others that can actually fly. <laughs> That are you know like slender Pegasuses, but but uh, 
but uh, yeah, so kind of a lot of elements came together, and and also amazingly, it's an old Icelandic fishing boat. It's like a historical boat, and it's built with the ancient way that boats were built. And you know, and luckily, one old old man in the shipyard, in in Stekisholmur, knew how to build those boats. It's it's what's it called in Icelandic? Do you remember? It's called Suðbirðingur. And it's like the, the way boats have been built since Viking times in Iceland. And uh, so it's like this, and he knows that ancient tradition. So it's sort of a, I, I kind of love that. It's like, it's, 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 a, it's a sculptural performative piece about that, about music and movement and, and, uh, and situation. But then also the object, the boat itself is a very, is very dear to me. And I, and I kind of feel that the, the boat itself is a, it's sort of a crazy object too, you know. It's not just any boat. It has been, uh, yeah. Well, it is a real honor having the boat in Texas. And it's very strange and surreal to think about the journey that it has taken from Iceland to Venice to New York to a lake in central Texas. Um, you know, it's a kind of impossible project. Um, so hearing you talk about the, the fat Pegasus is a great metaphor. Um, but you've had lots of projects where you are bringing performers into the museum and turning them into living sound sculptures or you're bringing visual artists into the theater and... Uh, presenting, you know, performances with music and props, but minus the narrative. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, the appeal of the impossible? Um, why you like doing things that are, um, you know, durational, or uh, challenging, um, and you know, bringing people together to make that possible. Yeah, I think yeah, it's true. The, the appeal of the impossible is, is very I, yeah, it's very luring. You know, I really like that stuff. And uh, and Chris McDonald, who I you know I, uh, I is a is a is a great collaborator of mine. The uh, sound, a sound uh, producer for most of my works. He 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 sometimes called, calls me Fitz, Fitzgeraldo. You know, based on the movie when the guy tried to take the. When Klaus Kinski played the guy who take a who tried to take a boat over a hill in the in the Amazon, and uh, and because there is something about those, yeah, it's I don't know, like 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 that impossible journey of the boat. It somehow it somehow really kind of adds sculptural meaning to 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 an object and to and to uh, spaces and uh, and uh, situations and and. I guess maybe it comes from, you know, you know, these impossible stories of saints and stuff like that. You know, people doing impossible things. You know, like, oh, he slept uh, under, a, under, a, under a duvet that uh, somebody with, uh, with, her terrible, with a terrible disease had died in the night before. And then he slept under it for a year. You know, those kind of stories of saints i think they and i think they actually really got into uh, to the idea of performance art as dealing with the with legends 
kind of self-created legends. And, you know, I think that very much comes from 70s performance art, you know, like coming from, uh, from Marina Abramovic and to, from Chris Burton and all that, all that stuff of the, uh, this kind of the longing for the impossible. And then, uh, then I also really love that this longing for the impossible is just so possible. It's basically show business, you know. It's like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> and I, I, because of being raised in the theater, like I was, I remember being in art school, like, and was talked about 70s performance arts, like they did these impossible feats. And then you really start thinking, well, it's actually sort of like magicians just doing their act. You know, it's actually show business. And I... And I find that, and I find that a very, I find that even more, what's it called? I find that even more thrilling that it's actually all based on, on our very, on our limited human resources. It's like how to, and how to make things feel impossible and, and sort of have that uh, idea around them. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, it's always fun like to when you get an idea and it's just like oh my god is this it's is it possible to do it but then you know like you know we sit down here in the studio and it's always like yeah you just call this person and no 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 and it's always possible everything is possible <laughs> that's such an inspiring way to start my day thank you <laughs> and i haven't even had coffee yet i understand that you began as a musician or that was something that was always parallel to your practice could you speak a bit about your relationship to music and your work? Yeah, my relationship to music is kind of, it's a total relationship. You know, it's just like I've, I sort of breathe music constantly. And, uh, but it was funny, like I wanted to be a musician, but I always felt that I really was not a musician. I somehow was something else. And, uh, and then when I, when I, when I, and I actually went to art school because I thought that was the best school to learn to be, uh, you know, to be like David Bowie or the Rolling Stones, you know. It's like, like all European musicians usually come from art school, you know. Like American stuff comes from the soil, but European music is always art school stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I thought like, you know, art school was the best music school. And, uh, and uh, it sort of was because like, I, I started doing my, my projects, which, and then I was always in a band, and I started feeling also how limiting it was to be in a band. You know, it's like, it's just these few things you can do as a musician. You like write a song, you record it, you maybe make a video to it, and you play it for people, you know, either in a bar or in a stadium. It's kind of, it's sort of not a difference except in scale. And, uh, and uh, and then just you know working with these um, ideas to like sort of make music. I don't know, kind of. I started really early on like working with ideas to make music somehow sculptural, to like kind of sort of take it away from um, from actually what what I knew it to be and and put it into uh, this this sculptural context which uh, often my my performances are and and you know like and even with when I'm doing works that are you know not musical it's maybe like a, a painting series and stuff like that then that is actually always about music too it's about like the music I listen to when making it and 
kind of kind of creating a musical crescendo in the piece and all that it's like it's really uh, it's really very important for all my practice I think music is and just and just as an inspiration in you know in life in general it's just uh, it just makes it makes it all it, music just makes it all bearable I think I'm very excited that we found oh, yeah. a music collective to play on the SS Hangover um it's nice. They have a good camaraderie, and uh, they've clearly never done anything like this before, and they're uh, eager and excited to do it, um, and I hope they can. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too, because you, you never know. These things are, these things are total journeys, you know. <clears throat> I, I not, but I actually think they, they will. They're, they're tough cookies. And, uh, yeah. Um. Should we do one more? Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is kind of an odd question, but given that it's the SS hangover, um, <laughs> do you have a favorite toast? A favorite toast? Yeah, I think my favorite toast comes from, uh, comes from the Simpsons. I remember it was like when Homer was a Freemason and he was in the Freemasons and the Freemasons went like, Gentlemen, to evil. <laughs> I think that's my favorite toast. <laughs> okay. All right. So we will yeah. be sure to toast to evil. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we got a little bit of Mozart and a little bit of Saints and a little bit of David Bowie and Homer Simpson and Satan. So I feel like we've covered everything. That is really good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank you um, we're very excited to be able to present the project and share it with austin i think the context of the sculpture park and it being a performative sculpture and uh you know music in austin and using our beautiful springtime um i think it's just going to be fantastic I'm really thrilled about it. And I'm also really thrilled about thinking about how kind of visually exciting it's going to be, like through the trees and, you know, they're all around the lake. It's going to be, yeah, I'm super excited. And it's, there's something so good about it, like coming to Austin, Texas. It's like, you know, because these are like, you know, it's two music cities, Venice, Venice and Austin. You know? Yes. Well, we're very happy that we have a lagoon and a, old villa so it will look like these musicians have just left a party there yeah totally it's true it's really like they're they just you know left <laughs> absolutely it's straight out of remember last night yeah yeah absolutely i can't stop thinking about that bartender in that film who looks so unhappy <laughs> yeah that's such a good that's he's so cool such a cool film just, yeah, cinematically a great idea. Just something happened that nobody remembers. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Yeah, thank Ragnar. you for making the time. Thank you. And uh, much uh, love and respect to you. Thank Likewise. You so thank you so much. Bye, Captain. <laughs> Adios. Adios.